We're going to continue our series on words today. Uh, Pastor Justin did a great job last week. I'm, I'm excited to hear what he has for this week. Would you guys welcome Justin Bashirs? Y'all was waiting on some music, wasn't you? <laughs> now nah, you can't get comfortable with me. You just, you don't know what you're going to get every time I'm up here, man. But I tell you what, the guy I was worried about last week, this is his first time here. And I was like, well, this ought to be good. I'm stepping on everybody's toes. I just hope he comes back. He came back, man. So uh, uh, I didn't, I, I almost didn't want to come back after last week. I'm just going to throw that out there. Good morning. Man, you guys are my heroes. I'm going to tell you, I hope I have as much grace to walk through the trials that you guys have walked through. Um, man, like, I don't even know how you follow that. Just testimonies of God's goodness in this house, man. Just super encouraged. Thank you for sharing. I find a lot of times we share, we don't share the, we share the struggle, but we don't share what God's doing in the struggle. And so I am so thankful that you came and shared what God is doing in the struggle because that gives everybody hope and everybody encouragement. Amen? Amen. All right, now, here we go. Um, last week, I shared about the power of our words. Uh, before we get started, I just want to... Um, I apologize in the first service to my wife. I want to apologize again because there's a lot of people to hold me accountable in here, okay? You guys, give me permission, hold me accountable. This coffee mug, it's my wife's coffee mug, okay? All right, okay? Uh, she already told me, don't take it in the shop because I have a habit and a tendency to take a bunch of coffee mugs in the shop and they never come out. And then when she comes in, she sees all the coffee mugs, two inches of sawdust, half an inch of coffee in the bottom. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just, I forget, right? So she said, never take this coffee mug in the shop. I said, cool, won't happen. <laughs> Took it to church this morning. She walks in. What are you doing with my mug? Just found out, mug's not mine. Can't take it anywhere. So <laughs> if you guys see me with this coffee mug, you know, Feel free to text her, send her a Facebook message, tell you you caught me red-handed, right, whatever. Um, but I'm not supposed to have this mug. But while I got it today, <laughs> she can come on stage, just so y'all know, anyway. But I'm, so I'm not going to, like, flaunt it, right, because I will have to go home with her. Uh, so last week I shared about our, our, the power that our words have. We talked about how what is in our hearts and our minds eventually come out of our mouths. And, um, and we also talked about how our words either cleanse or pollute the environment. Anybody else fail miserably at any of that? Just me? Uh, just me? A couple of us? Yep. Uh, I knew, it's like the enemy knew what was happening. He was taking notes, too, and he was like, all right, okay, this is how you struggle. Let's go. Uh, this week, I feel like in my spirit, as I've been preparing over the last few months, uh, that I wanted to share about three of the major traps and pitfalls uh, related to our speech. You excited? Yay, right? A lot of yays. A lot. It was like one amen in the back. Somebody's ready to grow. That one guy's like, I want to grow in my walk. He's excited about this. Um, so if you would, let's go ahead and stand and we'll get into the word and then we'll pray. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The next one. 
A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Yeah, last heater. Let's go with this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it cuts us in order to heal us. I thank you that you love us enough to challenge us, to grow us, to stretch us. And so, Father, I pray that the words that I say today would minister to your people, that you would use your word uh, to lead and guide and direct our lives, to bring glory to your son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit with the words that we speak to one another uh, here on this earth. God, we love you. We thank you. Be with me. In Christ's name, we bless you. Amen. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Okay. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. Doesn't that just... That's why a lot of us like to read Psalms and stay out of Romans because of this type of stuff right here. Right? Just me? That's fine. I'm, I want to grow. The, the Word of God has the unrivaled ability to reveal to us the ways in which we fail. And then show us our need for Christ due to our inability to walk it out. But then strengthen us through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and then ask us to walk it out. Is that not mind-blowing to you? God says, hey man, you're, you're pretty bad at this, right? And here's why you can never do it on your own. But now, go out there and do it. Okay, great. Okay. Part of our calling, part of this walk here on earth is our progressive sanctification. That is a fancy Christianese word to say looking more like Jesus every day. Looking more like Jesus every day. This is why we're still here after we get saved. If it was just about going to heaven, the moment I accepted Christ, he'd be like, come on, you're with me. But instead, I'm still here in Smyrna and not East Nashville, bless God. Although East Nashville's kind of hip now. Went down there for a bat Christian bachelor party, uh, right? I know that kind of hit your ears wrong, but it was a Christian bachelor party. And we down, down there, and it was pretty hip and nice. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I don't even know why I'm, <laughs> right? I just, oh, I'm here in Smyrna and not in heaven, right? So God is making me more like Jesus every day through the things that I walk to, this progressive sanctification. And, and it just so happens that our speech is one of these areas where we get sidetracked and we get in ruts and we often get off the path, okay? So this morning, we're gonna look at a couple of traps that the enemy uses in our speech to get us off of the path of this progressive sanctification. Are you with me? Okay, the first one, these are not in order of importance. They're ju I'm just listing them. So number one, it's not the biggest one, although it could be. Uh, but the first one that we're going to talk about this morning is criticism. Yeah. Criticism definition is the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. I'm going to read that again. The expression of disapproval of someone or something based on their perceived faults or mistakes. Criticism, criticism most of the time happens in process, okay? Uh, perfect example, I shared this in the early gathering. Um, if, you're, if you're here early enough, like I am, uh, you get to kind of watch the worship team go through their thing. Right. And so I sit out there and I eat my waffles and I sit out there and I eat my waffles and I listen to the worship team. And they went through the same song this morning about four and a half times. 
The same song. They went back and forth. Will was like, no, 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 you got to bring it up. And someone said, well, I can't read your mind. And they're, well, I'm sorry, I need to communicate better. They went through this whole thing. And if you're, and if you're just sitting out there eating waffles, you're like, this is going to be a hot mess. Come soon. It's going to be a disaster. They're not on the same path. They're trying to communicate, right? But most of the time, any criticism you give will be based on what you see in the moment. And guess what? We are all in process. Because then they come out, you, I bet you couldn't even guess which song it was this morning. Because the Holy Spirit moved when it was time and it was beautiful and we were ministered to and we were able to bless God. But if you see it in the process, you're more apt to criticize what's going on. Why did he say it like that? Why can't they get their act together? Why can't he just be like this? Why can't they just understand? Criticism, criticism often happens in Process. So the next time you got something you want to criticize about what JB's doing, remember, I am in progress. I'm not in East Nashville anymore, but Smyrna's got trouble too, okay? <laughs> Habitual criticism can corrode the very foundation of a, of a relationship. It's actually identified as one of the top predictors of divorce. We can all grow. We all have faults and blind spots. So we aren't meant to just deal with it when it comes to relationships. It's not what I'm saying. That we're not, we don't have anything that we can, we can critique. But inevitably, we will have complaints from time to time. But it's the way in which we present it that is often the problem. You guys remember I told you last week about the emotional manipulation story? Remember that, James? Right? Okay, for those of you that don't, weren't here, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. Here's what I said. Said, when somebody comes to you and asks you, hey, what are you doing Saturday? How does that make you feel inside? Like, I don't know how I should answer this question, right? And then you answer, like me, ask my wife, I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> or you say, I'm not doing nothing. And they say, can you help me move? And you're like, dang, now I'm stuck. I don't have a good option here because I don't want to do any, I don't want to help you move. That's why I'm doing nothing. Uh, but I feel bad now because you asked me to help you. I know you need help, right? But if you would have presented it in this manner, hey man, I'm moving this weekend. I could really use your help. Then you give them the freedom to choose a yay or a nay. You give them the option to agree and you're okay with the outcome. It's all about the presentation. Criticism is the same way. It's when a complaint is expressed as a character flaw in somebody. Here's an example. You always leave the dishes in the sink. You are so inconsiderate. How does that make you feel, right? As opposed to, I'm feeling overwhelmed by all these dishes piling up. Can you help me before I start dinner? How many wives would respond if the husbands talked to them that way, right? <laughs> that made me choke on my water a little bit. <laughs> I mean, because I do all the cooking in the household. I do all the cooking. And I know what it's like to come in and be like, yeah, guess I'll clean these dishes because I can't cook because the dishes the sink's full. I don't know why that is, but you can't cook when there's a sink full of dishes. Like, I don't know what it has. I guess I'm in, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, it just don't work. Right? But it's not so much that we don't have a valid criticism. It's the way in which we present criticism that often leads to shame. And hurt. One addresses the issue, the other addresses the person regarding the issue, and the real danger regarding criticism is that it often devalues people. It often devalues people. 
And I feel like that I struggle with presentation sometimes. I have some really good things to say, but I package them in really terrible looking packages. Right? Have you ever seen a Christmas tree and, and, and somebody has got all their presents wrapped from Kohl's, they paid the extra $10, and all of them have a bow and then a ribbon and then a string and then a bow and like a, like a brown name tag and all of them coordinate. And you come to my house and there's like Superman wrapping paper and then one present is pink and it's like happy birthday bags and stuff. <laughs> right? And you're like, well, this doesn't look like Pinterest. For real, for real. Oftentimes, and you don't even worry about what's in the, it could be a million dollars in cash in the box. And I present it in a, in a Charlie Brown comic strip newspaper and nobody wants to open it. It's about the way we present things to people, right? And our criticism often devalues them. It's a complaint about a, a behavior that chips away at the individual, Okay. Constant criticism damages our relationships. And this is not just like a spousal relationship. This can be relationships with boss and employee, coworkers, friend relationships. If every time I come around, James has always got some type of criticism about me, I don't know that I'm going to keep coming around, James. We're talking about the person, not the book this time. <laughs> For real, it chips away. It chips away at your self-esteem. Criticism erodes trust. Criticism destroys intimacy. It belittles others while making us superior. It's not effective in promoting change. And it can actually become emotional abuse over time. So here's a, here's a couple of helpful tips for those of us that find ourselves being very critical of others. One, um, season your speech with grace. Season your speech with grace. If you could record it and play back the way you're talking to people, how would that make you feel? How would it make you feel the way you speak to others? And another thing that we can do is we can focus on the thing or the goal instead of what we're not getting or what we don't. Okay? So here we go. Number two, second trap or pitfall we're going to talk about this morning is, um, is comparison. If criticism is typically about others, comparison is usually an unhealthy criticism of ourselves, okay? Most comparison happens internally, but always, 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 what's going on in our hearts and minds eventually comes out of our mouths, okay? The outgrowth of comparison is three things, jealousy, insecurity, and discontentment, okay? The first being jealousy, and jealousy is to isolate one characteristic or aspect of somebody's life and want it without any of the hardship or struggle of that person's journey. You hear what I'm saying? I see the thing, but I don't, I don't want the hardship or the struggle that they went through to get it. I want the fruit of that 25-year marriage without putting in 25 years, right? We want the benefit without the work. We want the reward without the sweat. Or here you go, here's, here's something also we say and we don't realize it. Jealousy dethrones God's sovereignty by feeling entitled to another person's blessings in life. I know you're sovereign, God, but why does this person get that and I don't? Why does this person get blessed in this way and you can't see fit to bless me? 
Basically, what we're saying is, God, you're, you're not really sovereign. You can't really give to whoever you want to if you can't give it to me also. Right? That's what jealousy does. But there's a cure for jealousy in the word. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, do nothing, do nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. If we really counted other people more valuable than ourselves, then jealousy would not be a real thing. Because I would see, I would see God blessing James. I'll be like, come on, let's go. I would see him doing work in Dave's life or Jeremy's life. Jeremy would share something with me. I'm like, Man, come on. I'm excited for you. I'm thankful that God is moving on your behalf. But sometimes there's a twinge of jealousy because we get caught in this comparison trap. Social media is one of the greatest. If you want to get caught in it, if you say, I don't, you know, Pastor Justin, I don't, I don't struggle with comparing myself to anybody. Just, just get an Instagram account. And they'll be like, what are some things you like? And you'll be like, oh, I like, I like sports and woodworking. And it'll immediately show you 300 people that are doing it way better than you. Instantly. Oh, I like makeup. And be like, oh, I could never do that. Look at her. Her eyes are just, just perfect the way that God made her, right? You don't believe me? Go ahead and get on social media today, this afternoon. Titans don't play to 2.30, so you got time. You got time. For real. It's a real thing. The second thing that comparison does is it breeds insecurity. Insecurity attacks relationships by constantly measuring yourselves to others and viewing people and circumstances through the lens of self. You view people and circumstances through the lens of self. How does this affect me? Why don't I have that? And most of this happens internally, but what happens verbally, I know you're like, man, but most of this is mental. But what tends to happen verbally is we begin to speak down about ourselves or we begin to speak down about others. We begin to criticize and critique and eventually we begin to critique God about what's going on. But most of it is towards ourselves. I had a friend I was sharing with the other day and and I had to encourage her because I, I felt like I was supposed to. I told you my gifts are always like, you know, brown paper bag. So it might have been an encouragement later after they opened it up. I was like, ah, this is good stuff, right? But in the times, you're just kind of like, cool, all right, well. <laughs> true story, true story. I was like, hey, I, I want to encourage you because I noticed that you've grown, you've matured. You don't, uh, and one of the ways I noticed it is you don't put yourself down as much anymore, right? you like, that. Ah, praise God, I'm not putting myself down as much anymore. But to hear that, you go, wow, okay, cool. But she has grown, and I noticed it, and I wanted to encourage her because that is one of the ways the enemy keeps us down is that, you know, I'll never be this. I can't do that. Why should I even try this? Why should I cook that? Why? I, I, I'll never measure up. We have this unhealthy idea that there's a standard, and we're somehow not meeting up to it. But guess what? There is a standard, and we cannot meet up to it. But God has given us that standard in Jesus Christ. And I, when, I, when I fall on the rock, I am broken. But if the rock falls on me, I am crushed. And there's a cure for that too, and that is peace. Proverbs 14, 30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A peaceful heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Comparison 
will rob you of life and vigor. The final thing that it breeds is discontentment. Comparison looks for worth according to the world's standard. Fame, beauty, acclaim, power, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about self and leads to discontentment, which often breeds verbal criticism of others and ourselves. The world system is not designed to satisfy you. It's designed to make you think it will. It is alluring and tempting, but that type of peace and security is only found in the kingdom of God. One of the biggest lies that has ever been perpetuated is that the kingdom of darkness is where all of the fun is at, where all of the, the good looking people are going to be. Where you, and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of light is doom and gloom and sorrow and rules and regulations. And it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. And yet we run to that system looking for security and peace. And it's never we're never going to find it because it's not there. Comparison will steal your joy and rob you of life. And the cure is to pour our worship on God. Don't allow the enemy to steal your worship by catching you in the comparison trap because it is a trap. My last sip of water. That's all I got, babe. The last one, and this has kind of been an area that's kind of really hit me hard over the last few months as I've been studying this out and researching this. Um, The last trap I want to talk about this morning is complaining. Nobody in here complains about anything. That's why there was no amens when I said that. (laughs) Amen, brother. Complaining. I'm just struggling with it. It's one area I mess up more than anything, complaining. I see that hand, right? Complaining, complaining affects your mind, your body, and your spirit. Your mind, your body, and your spirit. And I'm going to show you how. Research shows that most people complain once a minute during a typical conversation. (laughs) Right? Right? Don't be counting next time we talk. If you meet me after service, don't be over here going, look. (laughs) At least do it like this, look. For five minutes, he's right on track. It's, it's <laughs> clockwork, <laughs> But check this out. Because your brain loves efficiency, when you repeat behaviors such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information, okay? So basically, this makes it easier to repeat in the future. This is how mental habits are formed. So when you complain, often... Your brain says, let's not make a temporary bridge every time we got to go over this river. Let's make a permanent path. That way it's easier for information to flow through here. Are you with me? Your brain creates new neural pathways the more you complain. Repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. And over time, it becomes easier to be negative than positive and becomes your default behavior. To make matters worse, complaining actually damages other areas of your brain. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrieks the hippocampus. I don't even know where it's at. Any of you brain doctors, where that's at? It's in here somewhere. It's in there and it shrinks it. But check this out. The hippocampus is the area of your brain that is critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Are you tracking? 
Complaining shrinks the part of my brain that is responsible for intelligent thought. Complaining is making us stupid. That's literally what it says. The more you complain, the dumber you are. I didn't make this up. This is actual research. They've shown. And the hippocampus is actually the part of your brain that's affected by Alzheimer's. Right? So you can't think critically. You can't remember things. Complaining does the same thing to our brains. Complaining. But it's not just our brain. I told you it's our mind, our body, and our spirit. Check this out. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol shifts your body into fight or flight mode. And it directs oxygen, blood, and energy away from non-essential systems for immediate survival. When you have a flood of cortisol to your body, you say, I've either got to get out of town or fight to the death. And neither of those things are happening. You're just standing here complaining about something. But that's what's going on inside of your body. Isn't that wild? And check this out. Extra cortisol from increased complaining impairs your immune system makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. Complaining. The words that we speak out of our mouth can literally affect our brain and our body, our immune and nervous systems. But it gets better, right? Or worse. Since humans are inherently social, we unconsciously mimic the moods of those around us particularly those we spend a lot of time with. This process is called neuronal mirroring and it's the basis for our ability to feel empathy. Neuronal mirroring. When you are around people that complain a lot, you find yourself complaining. The bottom line is complaining is deadly to our minds, our body and our spirit and it brings others down with us. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy and this is one way he's literally trying to do this. And at the root of complaining, bless you, is an ungrateful heart. The root of complaining is an ungrateful heart. I'm not thankful for what God is doing. And it it hits home. I was telling telling a story um, in the early gathering that um, my my son had a a little fun day at school this week. They went to Go USA Fun Park. Okay, during school, as a part of school, they're riding go-karts with, with Lancaster polos on, right? Show of hands. How many, when you went to school, you did school? School, right? I'm not, I'm not as far back as uphill both ways in the snow. I'm not that far back, but I'm still far enough to school with school. Right, we might have a bake sale or a book fair, right? And I might get I might get that velvet poster that comes with the markers, but couple of see, I now moved on for y'all uphill both ways, and now I'm reaching my guys, my guys, right? Right? When I went to school, we did school, and here they are, go USA Fun Park. They got the go karts and they're riding. They're doing the, the arcade games, and then they come and give all the kids this cup, this cup with ice cream flowing out and donuts, and, and sprinks on top, chocolate and rainbow sprinks, and, and, and chocolate chips, and the whipped cream is falling down the side, and there's chocolate syrup all the way, like they dip the rim in it, right? 
glorious school. This is a school day. It's not like a snow day. This is a school day. And he gets in the car, and the first thing he says was a complaint about something that didn't go right that day. She almost pulled over in the middle of... I mean, the car started driving itself right off to the side of the road. I know, because I know my wife, right? You mean, to you mean to tell me you had all this glorious, wonderful fun? I don't, she done had a, a parent-teacher conference about no sugar at school. Like, he knows he don't get sugar. And then they're going to sugar him up and send him home to us. <laughs> right? How they going to act? They should have went to school where I went to school. Well, you do school. They're going to sugar him up, send him home, had this glorious, fun day, and the first thing out of his mouth is the one thing that didn't go right or that he didn't like. It wasn't even something that went wrong. Listen to the complaint. I bit into the cup because I thought it was made out of ice cream because it had chocolate going down the side. And, I, and she's telling me the story. I'm like, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Ungrateful little dude. And, you know, and, and just like God, it's like he sits back and waits and lets this stuff play out in our lives. Right? He's like, good. And he's waiting. He's so on time. God is an on-time God. Let me tell you now. Let me tell you now. He's on time. Because he lets all this stuff play out. Now she's telling me all these emotions are rising up in my heart. about I'm not raising ungrateful kids. And God's like, how many times I'm just working in your life and you complain about the one thing that don't go right in your day? Well, she said this to me, and the dishes in the sink, and I'm trying to cook. You got dishes that had food on them in your house that you made the mortgage payment for with the job that I gave you with clients that just come to you. And you whining about something dumb? What is wrong with us? He's like, in the top it all off, I'm showing you how it's killing you. It's literally killing you to be this way. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll just have a little talk to him and then they will try to find a way to be, to be thankful. Right? This is real life, man, because we do this. The cure for complaining is a grateful heart. Thessalonians tells us rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Megan just come up here and said it was a terrible, my circumstances were not what they wanted, not what they thought, not what they were supposed to be. And yet they found a way to be grateful and thankful for what God was doing and had peace in the midst of the storm. If we will make gratefulness a thing, then complaining will no longer kill us the way that it does. If complaining causes damages to your mind, body, and spirit, being thankful strengthens and heals it. Neural pathways. I just talked about how you can make yourself complain more often by saying complaints. You can also be thankful more often by saying things that you're thankful and grateful for. You realize that? It doesn't, the, the, your brain is like, I'll go either way. Which way do you want to go? Like, I don't just have to create bad pathways. You can be grateful and start saying all the things you're thankful for when you get up in the morning, and I'll make it easier for you to do it every day. You want to speak the word over your life? I'll make it easier for you because I, I want to be efficient with this. Yeah. It'll help your body 
Being thankful reduces cortisol levels by 23%. Isn't that amazing? Being grateful can actually cause you not to be as stressed out. And it's good for your spirit. Worship team, you come on out. Because the word says to enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. I enter into the presence of God by being thankful. That's why the enemy can never go into his presence because he's ungrateful. He says, enter the gate with thanksgiving. There is a gate into his presence and the way in is being thankful for what he's done in our lives. Being thankful for what he did on Calvary. Being thankful for what he's doing in the midst of my circumstances. So when I got a sink full of dishes and I got to go to Go USA, I can be grateful for both. These are three areas the enemy would like to trap us because it can literally damage our minds. It can literally damage our bodies. But most importantly, it can damage our spirit. And criticism, comparison, and complaining is the opposite of the gospel because it forces us inward. And Jesus come to get us outside of ourselves to serve one another, to place others above us in our home, in our jobs, in our communities. And with each trap, God provides a solution through the word. So this week, my challenge to you to ask God, show me the areas I'm, I'm being critical. God, where are the areas where I'm complaining and not being grateful for what you have done? And why am I comparing myself to others? Negatively and positively, because oftentimes we say, I'm not as bad as Justin is, I'm not as far off as James, so I must be doing something right. God is here to guide us progressively day by day and he's opening our eyes to these tactics that the enemy uses to destroy us so that we can be ambassadors for the kingdom so that we can not only see him in our in our own life but we can help others see him in their life so that we can all grow in the kingdom and that the name of jesus will be glorified through the power of the holy spirit we're going to worship and then pastor kevin's going to close us out